Hi, everybody. Um, I, my name is Margo Richardson. I'm an associate pastor here at Selwyn Avenue, and I'm here with the wonderful Nancy Nutter. Hello, folks. Nancy Nutter here, director of uh, Children's Ministries and their families. Excited to see you. We are so glad that you all have taken some time out of your day to join us for some child protection training. Um, if you are participating in this training, it means that you deeply care for um, the ministries of our church and specifically dealing with our young people and um, some of our vulnerable populations. So we are grateful for the ways that you contribute um, to the ministries um, of our church and for taking this time or for being a trip chaperone or a Sunday school teacher or whatever yes. may be bringing you to this training today. Just know that um, we are grateful. Yes. Um, we don't know how long we'll be using this, um, this video training for, so um, it might become an, something that we laugh about later on. These are COVID times, so Nancy's joining me on Zoom just from the other room. Um, but the idea of this training is um, we're going to try to get through it as quickly as possible while still um, informing you all on how we can keep you and our young people safe at the church. Um, Nancy and I are going to talk about um, really using a lot of examples. Exam she'll give examples from if you're dealing with children, I'll give examples if you're dealing with youth, um, and hopefully that will bring this training to life a little bit um, so we can understand yes. how we might be applying it um, in our day-to-day -day interactions um, with youth and children at Selwyn. Um, so the first thing is that this training is to protect children and youth from sexual, physical, and emotional abuse while participating in church activities. But this is also a training to protect our adult volunteers and employees from unwarranted allegations of child abuse. So this protection is, is just as important for you as it is for our children and youth. Um, Throughout our training, we'll use different kinds of language. Um, I'll try to use the language volunteer or church member um, just to kind of help keep some of our scenarios a little bit clear. And the things that we'll be covering today is um, kind of what our screening process looks like. Um, we'll talk about how to report incidents of abuse, how to respond to incidents of abuse, and um, what it takes to officially complete this training after you've listened to us. Um, so the first piece um, will be um, screening of applicants. So Nancy, will you talk a little bit about what the screening process looks like for people who are gonna try to work with children? Absolutely. So we, um, we typically want it, you know, we want church members um, to be working with children, although, um, you know, uh, folks that have been, you know, in, in the community. Um, we also are, um, you know, looking for uh, volunteers that are, um, you know, being involved in the different activities with the children. And um, I don't know, Margaret, you may have mentioned this, but this training is good for two years and this is something that we continuously do even if you've volunteered in the past um, there may be reason for us to you know update you because it's been a while um, and so yeah that's um, basically the screening is for you know folks that work with children at 
VBS or, you know, children's choir or Sunday school, just any of the things that we do where folks are volunteering with children. Yeah. So this training will cover you for um, Cub Scouts, Boy Scouts, children ages 12 and under, then, right. then uh, youth ages um, 13 to 18. Um, it'll cover you for any community service events we might go. Um, sometimes we hold those on site. Sometimes we go off site. Um, the CDC downstairs, if we were to um, do any kind of special event where you might be going and um, sharing your gifts or talents with our Children's Development Center. Um, as Nancy said, our, our, our choirs, vacation Bible school, mission trips, and Sunday school classes. So this covers you for all of it. So um, I imagine some of you all are, are here for the training because um, you serve in different areas of the church. Um, as for the screening process, um, after you've completed this video, if you will um, complete watching it, if you will, um, if you're taking this training for children, you'll, you'll email Nancy. If you're taking this training for youth, you'll email me. And then once we get that email that you've watched um, this video in total, we will send you um, some paperwork. Right. And um, on that, a little, um, a few logistical pieces about the paperwork. Um, it asks you to put down references. Um, we ask that those references not be people who are related to you or um, your friends or really any other church members. Um, if you can make those references people outside of our Selwyn community, that would be um, the most helpful. And um, then from a youth standpoint, um, we go on at least three different, um, but really five different off the church site youth trips a year. Um, and so for some of those trips, the partners that we work with require um, deeper background checks other than what we do just for our child protection. Um, and so um, if that's the case and you say you are wanting to be um, an adult volunteer for the Appalachian Service Project trip, I will contact you, but I every single summer have to do um, deeper background checks that, um, that ASP requires. So you will be notified if there is any other further information needed to do um, more of a deep search background check. Um, and if you are taking this training because you might be um, a bus driver for us, or you might be someone who helps with transportation. Um, there is a whole nother set of sheets and questions so that we can get you approved for our insurance um, to help with transportation, um, whether that's the church bus or if you've uh, you know, got your minivan and you're helping us shuttle kids somewhere. Um, that is a whole separate sheet. So just make sure when you email us, you let us know what you're taking the training for and we will get you, um, we will get you the right paperwork. So that's all the logistical stuff. <laughs> and now we'll try to jump into the training a little bit more. Um, so the first, um, the first thing is um, taking responsibility for our actions. Um, and so the possibility of being accused of child or youth abuse, whether true or false, is a risk that every staff member, employee, church member, or volunteer faces when working with vulnerable populations at our church. So we first have to understand that that's just a risk that we all take, um, but we put these things in place to keep us all safe. Um, so 
if you if you fail to follow the procedures and the things that we go over today, you are putting yourself at risk um, for accusations of child or sexual abuse. Um, so let's see. Next up, we'll talk a little bit about reporting first. Um, so after you've taken this training, but really any employee volunteer or church member um, is required to immediately report any kind of incident. And if you, um, if you happen to be around any kind of thing that you think needs reporting, um, the system of how we report is you first would report to our senior pastor, um, Reverend Lori Rabel. So Lori would be the first person that you would contact. Um, this is because a lot of times if we're having to deal with any type of sensitive information, um, Lori would be able to help address the families in a pastoral way first. And then from there, Lori might contact our church administrator, who would then know to contact whether we're contacting social services um, in the city or our police department um, or our church lawyer. Um, and so that's kind of the system of how things um, get moved out. However, if you are at an event where there are other church members, I mean, church staff people present um, and the head of staff isn't there, you can obviously go to them and then they will let. But that's the ranking of how we like to notify people. Um, we also know that when... Um, reporting is sometimes a sensitive thing. So I like to use an example. Um, maybe Nancy will have an example, but something we see a lot um, in youth ministry, right, would be um, like self-harm. So you might be some, you might be the only person who's noticed that maybe um, a youth is, is harming themselves in some way. Um, and if you're a mentor to them or can talk to them, that's great. But we also want to make sure that those are things that we're reporting and not just um, kind of ignoring. So any kind of hunch or gut feeling, we make sure that we report those. Um, misplaced humor is sometimes uh, seen a lot <laughs> with youth. Um, so an example, little Johnny might come to youth group and have a black eye because he got hit by a baseball at baseball practice. But you might overhear Johnny joking to a couple other youth that um, that his uncle punched him in the face. Um, and so if you know Johnny or if you know Johnny's parents and you're like, well, that definitely didn't happen, that I'm sure it was a baseball. We still have to report it. So um, even if it's misplaced humor, um, that's just something that we'd rather report it and look into it than regret not reporting it later on. Um, and also we make sure to remind people that because of that, we don't make jokes about things like that. <laughs> um, yes. Is yeah. that seen in children ever, Nancy? Yes, um, I had an incident uh, with uh, preschool because you know I go and and do chapel time with preschool and previous churches. I had a um, three-year-old child tell me during the prayer time that Daddy had hit Mommy and Daddy was in jail now. So um, that was a matter of just um, making sure the child was okay, comforted, and it ended up, um, you know, when I talked to the director that they were aware of what was going on and, um, you know, dad couldn't pick up child and a lot of things, a lot of those procedural things that are happening when parents are going through a divorce and, you know, so you may find that 
you're told something that is beyond your purview and absolutely uh, usually Lori knows these things for us because she's pastoral care person here. But like Margot said, if you if it's an event and she's not there and I'm the one there, I'm perfectly happy to talk to you and take the ball and and just make sure that the child is safe and what arrangements have been made for the child. Thanks, Nancy. Yeah, and with that, um, if you are working with children and youth, um, a lot of times uh, these young people will um, see you as an really important person in their life, um, a mentor, um, someone who gives really good advice, they'll look up to you. So a lot yeah. of times they'll open up to you and they'll and they'll tell you things. So making sure that we're we're listening. Um, and sometimes some of the people who are hurting are people we would least likely expect it. So just making sure that we are taking things seriously, reporting when needed. And with that also comes confidentiality. So if, um, you know, if, if a youth tells you something in confidence or a child, and maybe they say, you know, like, don't tell anyone, um, but I'm self-harming or don't tell anyone, but there's this kid at school that keeps beating me up. Um, right. Or, you know, anything of those kinds, um, even though they've told you in a state of confidence, you have to disclose that. Um, and so we just want to make sure that everyone, everyone knows that. Um, so that is kind of how we deal with reporting and then responding. So how do we respond? So um, I, I hate to use this example, but I, it is a good example to use in this type of training. Um, a church that I worked at uh, years before I came to Selwyn, um, we were on a summer mission trip away and there was youth on youth sexual abuse that happened. And so um, the youth, um, the victim came forward and came to me and one of the other pastors that was there and said, um, you know, was in hysterics and said, this thing happened to me. Um, and then from there, we had to remember this training and remember, well, how do we report and what is this, what's the ranking of how we respond to these things? Um, so in that circumstance, um, one of the youth involved was not a minor. They were an adult. They were, they had just turned 19. Um, and so the first things first, right, was contacting the head of staff at the church. And then from there, lawyers and parents were contacted. And then from there, the police department and physicians to do exams were all contacted. And um, in this uh, incidence ended up going to court. Um, and um, so confidentiality is also important in that once you notify who you're supposed to notify, um, you can't go home and tell people about it, right? And so, so often these are traumatic experiences and we wanna go home and we wanna tell our spouses or we wanna process it with someone. And um, until you receive um, permission to talk about it from the pastor or from the families or the parties involved, um, we ask that you just um, not say anything. And this also protects you legally. Um, and so, uh, so just confidential, it's okay to follow up with the head of staff or to follow up with the people involved in the incident. You know, you're obviously thinking about them. You want to know how they're doing. Um, you are involved in the situation now, um, but making sure that, um, that third party people are not brought into that conversation is really important. Yeah, absolutely. 
Um, documentation in that incidence that I was in found its way to be really, really important. And so we all carry a cell phone around these days. And so um, something that you might want to do in that circumstance is um, pull out a, a note in your phone or a voice memo in your phone, something that can be time stamped. And in that you can record, you know, Joe came to me at 9 p.m. and told me this had happened. At 9.05 p.m. I called Pastor Lori Rabel. You know, at this time, police showed up. Um, any kind of written documentation can help a lot if anything ever has to um, go illegal, uh, go with to legal people or have to go to court. Um, just having any kind of written information like that is always helpful in, um, in protecting you and also sometimes serving as evidence. So making sure that you're also documenting. Um, so keeping emails, keeping text messages, um, all that kind of stuff is incredibly important. And of course, we hope and pray that none of us will ever have to deal with something like this, but it's important to know and to be equipped with um, how to. Okay. Absolutely. I was going to say I had a situation where um, we were um, transporting kids um, to an event and um, had a child um, fall out of a seat and get hurt, um, like broken arm. And um, it's just a reminder as for all of our volunteers, you may be volunteering with other parents that are your friends and in your friend group, but when something like that happens, um, your obligation is to the child, is to reporting and like what Margot said, to make notes and then to allow the process to work and you working the process and not necessarily, you know, because this particular incident, the parents did end up suing the church, so. Thanks, Nancy, that's helpful. Um, so at Selwyn, now Nancy and I are gonna talk a little bit about scenarios um, and hopefully those scenarios, these scenarios you will probably be like, oh, that's very real. I've seen that happen at the church. Um, and hopefully these scenarios will kind of help understand the, the larger policies that we're gonna talk about. So we're gonna talk about um, how, how we drive and ride with young people. We're gonna talk about how we handle bathrooms with young people. We're going to talk about what we call our sight and sound policy and our open door policy. And so those are the four things that we're going to dive into real quick. Um, and I'll give some examples from a youth perspective and Nancy will give a perspective for children. Um, so Nancy, let's first talk about um, bathrooms. Absolutely. Um, well, uh, our policy is to, um, you know, in the specifically like for Sunday school, for an example, um, in the Bowman building, there are bathrooms, but they're away from the classrooms. So um, a staff member can take the children out there and we take them by two or three children at a time, because typically when one says they have to go to the bathroom, they all have to go. But also because that's more safe for the children and we make sure that there's no one in those bathrooms. Um, typically they're not, but I have had an incident where somebody's, you know, coming up from downstairs, dropping off their kid in nursery, they run to the bathroom. So we wanna make sure that the bathroom is clear from uh, folks that, you know, maybe we don't 
we don't know or haven't been background checked or what. And then allowing the children to go in there. And um, usually as a staff person, you are a volunteer, you have the door open and you just sort of stand there between the doorway. Um, little, little people sometimes need your help, but for the most part, um, you're there just making sure they're okay and, you know, washing their hands and not uh, going, do not, you know, go in there, you know, one-on-one. -on -one. Thanks, Nancy. Um, pretty similar with youth. Um, we see this um, a lot if um, we have a messy youth group project one night and everyone's headed into the bathroom to wash their hands. Um, we make sure that the youth go first and then when all the youth are done, the adults go in and wash their hands. Um, when we're on trips and we're traveling somewhere and we stop at a gas station or a rest stop to go to the bathroom, it's the adult's responsibility to make sure that no one's in there before all the youth go in. And then to also um, wait outside um, and then use the bathroom afterwards. On mission trips, we see this a lot with shower time. And so we designate specific times when youth can shower and when adults can shower. So the top of the hour is for adults and then the bottom half of the hour is for youth. Um, but we hold that really strong and true because no one should be um, in a bathroom alone um, with a minor. Um, and then let's talk a little bit about um, sight and sound, Nancy. Yeah, absolutely. So um, <clears throat> again, using the, the example um, for, um, like for example, there are two of us that are helping with the children's choir and there's a bathroom, you know, near. Um, we, if someone needs to go, um, it's done in such a way that, I, you know, I'm still there and can, you know, hear and see what the volunteer is doing in the classroom with the children and at the same time hear and see what's going on, you know, in the bathroom. In Sunday school, most of the time there is, um, you know, one or two teachers. Sometimes we break into rooms where someone's doing a craft and someone's doing the Bible study. Um, all of those doors are left open and we can hear each other because it's an enclosed space. Um, but we do not do that one-on-one. -on -one. So in other words, if we're gonna break into to age ranges and one of those, um, there's only one third grader, then that third grader stays with the fourth and fifth grade, for example. We don't pull you know, one kid out, we have, um, we just stay together and work on the project together. Yeah. So that, I think that kind of what we're hearing too is we're hearing about the sight and sound policy and we're also hearing about the open door policy. So the times we see this the most in, for youth is a Sunday school teacher is setting up a classroom and uh, little Jimmy gets dropped off 15 minutes early. Um, and Jimmy just wants to come in the classroom and help you set up. And these are times where as teachers, we need to remember that if there's another room close and their doors open and they can see us and they can hear us, then Jimmy can help us set up. But say we are the only ones in a classroom on a hallway, um, best would be to explain to Jimmy, hey, Jimmy, I had to do this training for the church and for your safety and for my safety, just until another kid or another adult shows up, would you mind waiting in the hallway? 
Um, mm -hmm. We want to make sure that we're letting our youth and our children know why we do the things that we do, because the last mm -hmm. thing we want is for them to think that we don't want to spend time with them or right. that we're worried to be alone with them. So having them understand why we do what we do. And so mm -hmm. with sight and sound, what you're also hearing is the two to one ratio. So yeah. There needs to be uh, two youth to every adult or two adult to every youth. And that adult uh, or that matching pair cannot be like um, the youth sibling or someone related to you. So Nancy's husband could not be her second adult and two siblings could not count as two to one. Um, and so that two to one ratio that we talk about just helps us with reporting um, and with making sure that no situations ever get confused because there's a third party there who's present and is seeing what's happening. Right. And, and you can also um, ask the parent, like in our case, it's parents normally dropping off because of the younger kids. You could ask them to stay with you until more children showed up. Yeah, we see that. Up. Yeah, we see that a lot with youth group pickup late at night. We're all standing outside of the church and they right. just yell real quick and go jump in their parents' cars. And before right. I realize it, I'm left standing there with one kid. So right. we just ask that second to last family, hey, would y'all just mind waiting in your car, but right here for a few minutes while right. we wait for Johnny's parents to come and get him. Right. Um, we also see this a lot for, say we're off doing a habitat build as a church and someone gets hurt and their parents aren't with them, but um, Susie is Johnny's neighbor. And so Susie says, well, I know where Johnny's pediatrician is. I'm just going to drive him over there. Um, it's a church sponsored event. And even though you're his neighbor, we still need to make sure we have a two to one scenario. So Johnny can grab a friend and they can sit in the back seat of the car or, uh, Susie can, can grab a friend. Um, and that way we just make sure that we're not, um, leaving any church events, um, for even for the state of emergency without a third person present. Um, there are always um, what if emergency scenarios, right? This kid is really hurt and I have to take them right now. Or um, this kid's parents got a flat tire and they cannot be at the church for two hours and there is no one else to drive them home. Typically when this happens, um, I'll put the minor in the back seat of my car so they won't shit sit shotgun with me. And then um, I, I call someone and have them on speakerphone. So there's a third party in the car, even if it's just through a phone. Um, so you could call and have their parent on the line. You could call and have um, another church member on the line. Um, but just that way, um, in, an, in an absolute emergency situation, you still have another third person in the car with you, even if it's just through speakerphone on a cell phone. Right. Um, a lot of times also with youth, right, they might want to have a private conversation. They might say, well, can't we just come in this room and shut the door? Um, and how we would handle those situations a lot of times is, um, well, I'll meet you for coffee and you can go to a very public um, coffee place, but it's away from maybe the, maybe who they wanna to talk to you about. Or um, we use the chapel a lot. Um, the chapel at Selwyn, as many of you all know, is totally glass and you can see into it. So that's a perfect place to have a one-on-one -on -one uh, conversation with someone. It 
feels private for them, um, but people who are passing by or whoever's sitting at our welcome desk um, can see through the glass and can see you. Um, and also just reminding people, it's not that I don't want to be alone with you and talk to you in private. It's that we have to follow these rules for your safety and for our safety. Mm -hmm. um, so I think that's bathroom, sight and sound, open door, the two to one ratio. Um, I think that's a lot of the big stuff. Am I missing anything big, Nancy? No, I think that that does cover it. And Great. it works in many situations. You know, we're planning a church-wide retreat. Uh, Margo and I were talking about that, you know, parents, the entire family is going to be there. So there are going to be parents with their children. But there's going to be times when we split up and we do things with the kids and things with the youth. And so all of these rules still apply, even though we're off site and the parents happen to be there as well but you still want to keep, you know, the sight and sound open door and two to one ratio still in your mind and still using that. Yeah, absolutely. I'm going to rattle off our employee and volunteer code of conduct and just kind of read all of these statements to you all. Um, when you email Nancy and I that you've watched this video, we will send you the written um, documentation of this training so you can have it if you ever need to reference it along with the forms that you need to fill out. But here's our volunteer code of conduct. Someone employees and, and volunteers may not verbally, emotionally, or sexually abuse children or youth. Employees and volunteers may not discipline children by use of physical punishment or by failing to provide the necessities of care. Physical restraint is only used in situations necessary to protect children, other children, or staff from harm. Someone employees and volunteers shall never leave children unsupervised while participating in a program. Someone employees and volunteers may at no time during Selwyn programming be alone with a child where they cannot be observed and heard by another. Restroom supervision. Staff will make sure the restrooms are not occupied by suspicious or unknown individuals. Always send children in pairs and whenever possible with staff. Staff will stand in the doorway while children are using the restrooms. Staff should be alert of physical and emotional state of children and youth as they enter into the program. Any signs of injury or possible abuse must be reported to the senior pastor or church administrator. Staff are discouraged from being alone or out of sight and sound with children they meet at Selwyn Programming. Under no circumstances should staff release children, childcare, nursery, or vacation Bible school to anyone other than an authorized parent. So I'll touch on that also just a little bit more. Um, a lot of times, um, at least from a youth standpoint, and I'll have Nancy speak from the children, um, oh, well, my kid's just going to walk home. Or, um, you know, so-and-so's family lives next door to us and they're going to carpool. And for youth, what I always ask is just to send me a text message with that. So I have it kind of like how you do with field trips or with pickup at your kids' schools. Um, there just has to be written documentation of this person is picking my kid up. That way I'm not releasing kids into care of people that I don't know it's been um, authorized. Yeah, similar thing for us. It uh, doesn't happen in very many of our situations, except for sometimes 
Sunday school, an older sibling, uh, you know, a high schooler or a, a middle schooler will come pick up their elementary school uh, sibling. And I know I get notification from the parents that that is okay, usually an email. And so I have that documentation as well. Thanks, Nancy. Using, possessing, or being under the influence of alcohol or illegal drugs or being impaired by legally prescribed drugs during the working hours is prohibited. Smoking or use of tobacco in the presence of children, youth, or parents during working hours or church programs is prohibited. Profanity, inappropriate jokes, sharing intimate details of one's personal life, any kind of harassment in the presence of children or parents is prohibited. Staff may not date program participants under 18 years of age. Employees and volunteers are required to read and sign all policies related to uh, reporting child abuse and attend the trainings, which you all are attending right now. But this training is not valid until you fill out the paperwork and Nancy or I send it and it's in our church administrator's hands. Employees and volunteers are expected to observe open door policy, sight and sound policy when interacting with children and youth. So that is um, a very quick rundown of our code of conduct and um, the big issues that we like um, to train everyone in before they interact with our children and our youth. Um, because this is a recorded session, if you have any questions at all, please feel free to email or call Nancy or I. Um, Nancy, before I ask the, the rhetorical background check questions, um, is there anything else we missed or anything you'd like to add? Just, um, we're so happy that you're volunteering with our children and youth, and we want you to feel supported at any time, anything you would like to discuss with us, we are here available for you and helping and guide you in any way. And um, safety is a first um, when you're working with children and youth. And this policy is, is about that for you and for the children. So we thank you. Yeah, exactly what Nancy said. We, we cannot thank you enough. So the next questions I'm gonna read are obviously just questions for you to answer yourself within your head. And if you can answer all of these questions, then we encourage you to finish the training by completing the paperwork and turning it in um, and serving with our youth and children. So the first question is, have you ever been subject to any disciplinary or probationary action taken by a licensing board, employer, social or service organization? Have you ever been denied participation and supervision of youth activities in any organization? Have you ever been told that you were impaired as a result of your use of alcohol or drugs? Have you ever been convicted or pled guilty to a traffic violation in the last five years? That would be very uh, serious traffic violations, and that would particularly matter if you are filling out paperwork to possibly be an official driver um, for our youth or children um, for the church. 
Um, if you are um, worried at all about any kind of legal violations you may have on your record, um, just feel free to reach out to us. Um, those should not be things that completely keep you from participating with us. It may just be a thing for, um, for our driving insurance on the church bus. Um, but if you have any questions about that, Nancy and I can easily clear that up for you. And then the final question, have you been told that you were personally or professionally impaired as a result of a medical, surgical, or psychiatric condition? So if you can answer no to those questions, we encourage you to complete the training and to fill out the paperwork. Um, and if you have any questions for us, please don't hesitate to reach out. And we thank you for taking the time out of your day to watch this video. Yes. Bye now. Bye. Thank you.